From Upstate Medical University in Syracuse, New York, I'm Amber Smith. This is HealthLink on Air. A recovery-based suicide prevention program that has had great success at Upstate is expanding to include younger people. Here to talk with me about it is Dr. Robert Gregory. He's a professor of psychiatry and behavioral sciences who developed dynamic deconstructive psychotherapy, which is used in the prevention program. Thank you for making time for HealthLink on Air, Dr. Gregory. Sure, it's a pleasure to be here. Thank you, Amber. Now, the psychiatric uh, high-risk program that was launched in 2017 was aimed at people between 16 to 40. Can you tell us what it was designed for and how it works? Sure. Uh, this program was started to meet a need. We were having record numbers of suicides in young people in central New York and around the country but there were no programs specializing in the treatment of individuals who were at high risk for suicide. So that's what this program is all about. What I didn't know at the time is just how unusual this type of program is in the United States. Uh, it turns out that there are very few programs nationally specializing in the treatment of high risk individuals, uh, most likely because of the liability risk. And there are only a handful that aim to help these individuals work towards recovery instead of just risk reduction and symptom management. Our mission is very simple, to save and transform lives. So this really is a very unique program and it's starting to attract some national interest with people coming as far away as Georgia and Texas to attend our program. So what's included in the program and, and how long does it last? Well, this isn't a residential or day treatment program. It's a comprehensive outpatient program. And we offer a full range of treatment options, including weekly individual psychotherapy, medications, and family and group psychotherapy, as indicated. It's a 12-month program since it takes a while for transformative healing to occur. Enough time for individuals to change lifelong coping patterns and ways of perceiving themselves and others. So we offer up to 12 months of weekly treatment with the goal, not a complete cure by 12 months, uh, but rather our goal is for them to be well enough so that those individuals can continue the process of healing and recovery without needing to be in the mental health system the rest of their lives. So is it weekly meetings? Uh, yes, it's weekly, or if there is family or group psychotherapy, they, we may some, they may sometimes come in more than once a week. Uh, but primarily it's once a week meetings for those 12 months. Now you've described dynamic deconstructive psychotherapy as helping someone heal from the inside out. Can you explain what you mean by that? Um, weekly individual treatment with dynamic deconstructive psychotherapy or DDP is the core required component of our program. DDP is a weekly individual psychotherapy model that's recognized by the government Suicide Resource Center as having evidence of effectiveness for those struggling with suicidal thoughts or behaviors. It works through a different mechanism than most psychotherapies and feels very different to the patients undergoing it as compared to previous experiences they may have had in counseling. We know that suicidal individuals have an impaired emotion processing system in the brain. They're not able to process emotionally painful experiences through their prefrontal cortex because of atrophy and dysfunction in these regions. Instead, they activate the more primitive subcortical areas of the brain. 
which cause them to experience a high state of arousal and distress and a sense of emptiness and disconnection. They feel alone with overwhelming pain and suicide seems the only option. In DDP, instead of focusing on symptoms or giving advice on how to cope with each crisis as it comes up, we have patients practice connecting with and processing their emotionally laden experiences. And what happens when you do that is they activate and remediate the emotion processing system in the prefrontal cortex. And that's very much like how physical therapy remediates functioning after a stroke. As their emotion processing system begins to strengthen and heal, symptoms of anxiety and depression markedly improve and patients feel more connected with themselves and others, no longer obsessed with thoughts of suicide. It's a different way of thinking about treatment, but it really works. You said the emotion processing system becomes impaired, but I wonder how that happens. Are these people who have suffered an injury or were they born with an impaired emotion processing system? No, that's a great question. And really, we don't know for sure. We do know that genetics does play a big role in suicide. And so some people are born with a less well-functioning emotion processing system than others. We also know that um, Actually, head injury can affect the emotion processing system, and we've had some patients with that. We know that if there's trauma and neglect early on or bullying in school, one adaptation the brain does is actually shut down the emotion processing system, and, uh, and then other coping mechanisms kick in. You're listening to Upstate's HealthLink on Air. I'm your host, Amber Smith, talking with psychiatrist Robert Gregory. He developed dynamic deconstructive psychotherapy 15 years ago, and today it's a crucial part of a recovery-based suicide prevention program that we're talking about. Is everyone in the psychiatry high-risk program taking medication? Is that part of it? About two-thirds of our patients are taking psychiatric medication through the program. Uh, although medications are not going to cure uh, issues, they can often provide symptom relief while we're waiting for the effects of the psychotherapy to kick in. And what we found is that the need for medications decreases over time, such that most of our patients are on fewer medications when they leave the program than when they started. How many people have gone through this high-risk program since 2017? And do you have any demographic information you can share? Sure. Uh, the growth in demand for the program services has been phenomenal. We started out as just a very small program with myself and uh, a single therapist in 2017. We've had exponential growth at an average rate of 50% per year of new intakes coming in. So now we have 10 clinical staff with actually more on the way and have seen about 400 new intakes since the program started. Most of our patients are in their 20s, although we've had many in their teens and 30s. Uh, most are Caucasian, uh, but we've had a full spectrum of race and ethnicity, and I would love to see more individuals from underrepresented minorities entering our program. What have the outcomes been like, and how do they compare with other methods of assisting people who are suicidal? Well, I love that question because our outcomes have been outstanding, which has really encouraged us to continue and grow and expand services. We assess a wide range of outcomes on admission to the program, and then every three months thereafter, 
before the pandemic, the percentage of individuals in our program who would achieve remission, meaning free of significant depression, anxiety, and suicidal thoughts during the 12 months of treatment, approached 90%, which is you know, really just amazing. Uh, during the worst of the pandemic, that rate dropped to 70% as we were forced to provide services by televideo, and many of our patients were extremely isolated in lockdown. Uh, for the kind of treatment we provide, we found that in-person is definitely more effective than televideo. So combining the pre-pandemic and pandemic figures, our remission rate now stands at 80% over the 12 months. We know those numbers are good, uh, given that many of our patients have been in multiple previous treatments without success. But how good is difficult to say since there are so few comparable programs, and it's rare for a clinical program to collect and publish its outcomes, unfortunately. Why are you now going to include 14 and 15-year-olds in the psychiatry high-risk program? Is it because you're seeing more depression or suicidal ideation in the younger people? Yes, that's exactly right. Suicide attempts and completions are definitely moving into the younger age groups for really unclear reasons. And we can't just stand by without trying to do something about it. We've sometimes uh, in the past let in some of the younger teens into our program because they had no other option. They failed every other treatment option in town and had nowhere else to go, so we took them in. And they've actually done very well. That's really encouraged us to expand into the younger age groups. And we plan to do that within the next few weeks, as soon as we finalize our treatment model for those age groups. Do you think the high-risk program would not be helpful for people who are older than 40? Our program definitely targets those who are teens and young adults, uh, but based on our clinical experience, we found that DDP can often be helpful for older age groups, but their treatment needs are more diverse. Some of the older patients are more set in ways, set in their ways. You know, I, I feel I can say that as a 60-year-old, and some patients in the older age groups have different causes for suicide other than an impaired emotion processing system, and so may benefit from a different approach. I want to ask you how someone gets referred into the psychiatry high-risk program, and I also wonder if you think the program would be helpful to someone who's reluctant, but who has a loved one that's begging them to go. So about half of our patients are referred by a by hospital or an emergency room, and others are either self-referred, uh, they just call up our program, or referred from other healthcare providers. So self-referral is actually very common and very easy. The person just needs to call our intake number. That's 315-464-3117, uh, 464-3117. And our intake coordinator, Nicole, will answer the phone, send out a packet for the person to complete. Uh, right now, we have a waiting list for adults, um, and that's why we keep hiring, but hoping to whittle that down as soon as, um, as we've just hired another therapist. We do not have a waiting list for adolescents right now, so it's a good time for, for teen patients to call in. Uh, it's not uncommon for an individual to be reluctant to go to the program, whether teen or adult. So we really try to make the process as easy and welcoming as possible. Uh, but also recognize that it's very difficult to entrust your care to a total stranger and be vulnerable in that way. The only thing worse I can imagine than that, doing that, is the alternative of not getting the help you need and continue to suffer. 
I've seen the rate of drug overdoses has climbed during the isolation of the pandemic, and I wonder if you've noticed an increase in suicide attempts. Uh, the answer is yes. The national statistics indicate a substantial increase in suicide attempts. The figure I've seen is 30% increase, so it's huge, and especially among teens and young adults. And we've seen that at University Hospital as well, uh, which has really stretched our resources. And clearly, the need in our community is there. And uh, I'd also like to say we're a charitable, not-for-profit organization, and donations are always welcome to help our program expand and serve more people. How would you advise someone to be able to recognize whether someone is at risk for suicide? A common indicator of depression is withdrawal from people and difficulty functioning at work or school. There may be a lot of expressions of pessimism and negativity. But on the other hand, many people are very good at hiding depression. Um, so, you know, don't beat up on yourself if you, if you miss it. The most important take home point is to not be afraid to ask about depression and thoughts of suicide. So many people who are struggling with suicide do not share their pain with others. It's a very isolating kind of condition and they don't let them know that they're on the edge. And I've known so many people who wish that they had asked their loved one that question. So go ahead and ask the questions. Have you been feeling depressed lately? Uh, and then have you been having thoughts of suicide? If the answer is anything other than a definitive no, please refer them to the many resources available to them. You know, there are 24 nas uh, 24 hour national suicide hotlines. Uh, more locally, there's contact, which provides 24 uh, seven uh, uh, counseling by telephone, as well as referral to resources. There's always the emergency room, local counselors, and thankfully in Syracuse, there's also the psychiatry high risk program. This has been helpful information. Thank you, Dr. Robert Gregory. He's a professor of psychiatry and behavioral sciences at Upstate. And again, that intake number for the Psychiatry High Risk Program is 315-464-3117. I'm Amber Smith for Upstate's podcast and radio talk show, HealthLink on Air.